Greetings, errants, glitches, breakaways, thought criminals, and genuinely open-minded and outright curious inhabitants of whatever simulacrum we find ourselves navigating at the moment. You are about to set sail on another free first-hour episode of The Melt. If you find yourself wanting to dig deeper and have the desire to join the conversation during our monthly Melt meetups, you might want to consider becoming a monthly subscriber. For a measly five dead presidents per month, you can have access to full-length, early, and exclusive episodes. Just click the Patreon or Locals link in the episode notes below to create the timeline that will set it all in motion. It's suspiciously simple, altogether painless, and just might inspire feelings of bliss and or lingering euphoria. So, without further ado, let the conversations begin! This is Hunter Muse. And this is Chris Snipes. And you are listening to The Melt. I suspect that many in this ragtag community of curious truth seekers get ideas for guests to have on their shows by hearing them first on other people's shows. I know that I do. I hear someone that I'm very impressed with on another show, and either because I have questions that may not have been asked by whatever host of whatever show, or because I feel that what they have to share is something that I'd like to share with our audience, I reach out to them and ask if they'd like to come on our show sort of an informational cross-pollinating. And one of the shows that I find myself being inspired to do just that time and time again is Forbidden Knowledge News, hosted by today's guest, Chris Matthew. Chris is a highly prolific podcaster who's been at it for over seven years, and he's inadvertently turned me on to some of the best people that we've had on The Melt. He's had Hunter and I on his podcast a few times, and I wanted to return the favor and take the opportunity to get to know him better. I start off the conversation by asking Chris what in his life brought him to the subject matter that he discusses on his podcast. Well, ever since I was a kid, I was always interested in paranormal and woo-woo topics. I I grew up Catholic, and my parents were somewhat religious and i always had the sense that there was something else to the nature of reality by the time i hit the age of 15 i was just your normal teenager i started rebelling i pretty much 
uh, let go of any type of spirituality. I didn't practice any religion for many, many years. Started doing sex, drugs, and rock and roll and kind of fell in with the bad crowd as a teenager. Uh, I played guitar from an early age and played with bands. So, But I always had this kind of mystical sense that there was something else out there. For a while, I just didn't really care. I just I sort of fell into normal life, got married, with, worked a normal job for the longest time. And it wasn't until about 2012... When, uh, when strangely enough, many other people have had this date change mm-hmm. their lives for some reason. Yeah, yeah. But around around 2012, I started to just wake up for some reason. I became curious about everything. I started researching, reading some interesting authors, books. I started in the diving into the golden age of YouTube conspiracy videos during that time. Oh, there yeah. was no censorship, so you could find some some pretty damn amazing stuff mm-hmm. on YouTube as well. And I just got into everything, spirituality, the occult, aliens, conspiracies, health, all this, all the stuff that I currently do shows about. And I started, I started a Facebook blog and I don't even remember what the original title was. It eventually turned into Forbidden Knowledge News. And for some reason, people were kind of digging what I was blogging about, but I knew that I wanted to do something more with it and I needed to I needed to talk to people who knew more about the topics than I did and maybe feature them. So I started a YouTube channel, Forbidden Knowledge News, and this was around this was around 2016, uh, late 2016, early 2017 maybe, somewhere around that time. And I started inviting some of my favorite authors, researchers, and they gladly came on. And I was so grateful to to speak with all these individuals. And the show kind of picked up. And one guest I had was Charlie Robinson. And he he's like, man, you got to make this into a podcast. This is great. I'll introduce you to somebody. He introduced me to my now producer, Corey Hughes, who at the time was oddly enough, just doing Bitcoin podcasts and kind of failing (laughs) miserably at it and was about to quit the whole thing. And he's like, I was like, well, let's try some woo woo stuff, man. Maybe you'll uh, get lucky with it. So we turned this into a podcast and it just took off from there. Uh, Well, it took off after I had a profound spiritual experience, which we can also get to if you like. Absolutely, It's pretty important to change the whole trajectory of what I was doing. So pretty much after I, I had met Corey, we started the, the podcast. We did a couple of online conferences, Forbidden Knowledge News Conference. Things really started to pick up. Really wasn't making any revenue until after I had a profound spiritual experience. I was living in Louisiana at the time, lived in Louisiana and Florida most of my life in the South. My family's in Louisiana. I decided I did. I, I never really enjoyed it there. So I always wanted to experience the mountains. I always wanted to experience somewhere different. So I just moved out to Colorado. And during that time, the show became successful and I began, I was able to do this full-time as mm-hmm. a, a full-time career right on. and it eventually grew into me making documentary films and it's been quite a blessing the whole thing has been extremely surreal and i completely believe that there has been spiritual guidance the whole way through so it's uh it's been quite a ride so far well you mentioned are you mentioned two Two instances of spiritual experience, profound. Oh, there's been more, but. (laughs) Okay, okay. 
<laughs> the first one that Ed, that really changed everything for me, I was it was about 2020. Really, is the next uh, pivotal year there. I had already been doing the show, and it was kind of gaining popularity. I was in no way able to make a living off of the show at the, the time. I had a couple of on and off affiliates that I'd make a couple of hundred bucks a month off of, but nothing, like I said, nothing that I would be able to to survive off of. At the time, I was working a a corporate job, a corporate sales job that was making me a pretty decent living, especially in Louisiana. Everything is really really cheap especially in the small town that i was living in and i was going through a bad breakup at the time i was doing the show and i was working full-time and i wanted to die. deep down inside i really wanted to turn this show into something something that i could do full-time and make a career out of because i really loved it so much and i didn't know how to do that like i said i was getting out of a bad relationship it actually turned into a restraining order Oh, uh, so it was pretty, pretty terrifying at times. This chick was insane. And after that started, started dying out, I went into a bit of a depression because of, I wasn't happy with my job. I didn't know where to go next with the show. Didn't know what to do to how to, how to get out of this kind of negative state that I was in. So I decided, well, maybe I should start meditating. I've, I've done all these inter these interviews about spirituality and meditation and the profound effects. Let me give it a shot. And I had tried for a few weeks, and I couldn't really quiet the mind enough. I would get frustrated, and no real uh, good results would come of it. One evening, I remember I was outside speaking with a neighbor, and I noticed in the sky, it looked like three very bright orange flames in a triangular formation just slowly going up in the sky. And I was trying to get my neighbor's attention. And he just refused to look at it. I'm sitting there staring at it and it just, it goes up and it stops and then zip, it just disappears up into nothingness. And I said, well, that looks pretty cool. I kind of marked it off in the interesting, you know, uh, the interesting notebook in the, in the brain there and put it away for later. Didn't think much of it. Neighbor never saw it. And I went inside and I tried to, I attempted to do some meditation. And I remember what someone told me to try and use some uh, 432 hertz frequencies and tones that may help me enter an altered state through meditation. So I did. I put on some 432 hertz and I started uh, meditating and I was able to get into quite a deep meditative state in, in, in a very relatively short amount of time. And I, every, I experienced complete uh, stillness and blackness and it was beautiful. And all of a sudden I noticed that there was this, this blue bright light it, it, getting brighter in my subconscious vision and it got closer and closer and the I hear a voice speaking to me telepathically, and I know it's not me talking to myself. It's like, hello, how are you? <laughs> now, I, I, uh, I said, hello, how are you? And uh, the whatever this is said, Chris, it's time for us to talk. And I freaked out. I, I didn't know what to do. Like I told you, I grew up Catholic and went back to that childhood dogma. And I was, I was like, in the name of Jesus Christ, are you, are you good? And I could... Like since this thing chuckling and laughing and saying yes before I could even before I could even finish the thought, it was responding yes and it was giving me all these beautiful feelings. Like I felt like I felt like I was on the best 
drug imaginable. I've done some drugs and this was incredible feeling. It felt like pure love. And I thought that I loved my mom and dad that much or my, you know, my ex-wife, but this was, I knew it was love and I, it was unmistakable, but it was beyond anything that I've ever experienced before. And the voice continued to speak with me and the voice, uh, tells me that it's time that we finally met, made contact. At the time, I had no idea what I was speaking with. I thought I was talking to an extraterrestrial. It took a, a little bit of exploration to figure out exactly what I was, what, who and what I was speaking to. But at the time, like I said, I thought it was an extraterrestrial. It just manifested as a blue light in my subconscious it also startled me so much that I got out of my meditative state, woke up and started walking around, and I thought that I had lost the connection with whatever it was I was speaking with. But no, it continued speaking to me as I was walking around my house, going to my bathroom. It said, why don't you have a seat? We need to go over some things that are going to be important in your life and in your journey. So I go to my bedroom and I'm talking. I think I'm, I feel like I'm going crazy. I'm wondering if, if I'm having an acid flashback. I don't know what's going on talking to this voice in my head and it tells me, you know, some things that I can do to better my situation and get where I want to be in my life. One of those things is to quit my job. And I was like, how the hell am I supposed to quit my job? They're like, you already have this job. You're doing it. You're, you got to talk to her. You'll be, you'll be fine. Just quit your job and do that. <laughs> like, oh man, that's terrifying. Cause I, like I said, I was making good money doing this job, making zero money doing the podcast. Like we'll talk about that later. Uh, proceeded to say, if you want to really excel, you need to heal childhood trauma. You need to do some work on that. We will help you do that. I'm like, we, he's like, yeah, we'll help you do that. All right, whatever. We'll help you do that. Wonderful. All these other things, we're, uh, it was right after the, the COVID thing, fiasco took off. He's, uh, this voice says, which I called layered at the time because I asked what its name was. It alluded that I wouldn't be able to, to pronounce it just to call it something that I'm familiar with. So I called it Laird. Laird was my cousin I grew up with. I thought his name was cool. So I called him Laird. <laughs> so Laird is uh, proceeding to tell me that we were about to enter some very uh, difficult times. There would be some trials and tribulations globally. Uh, we would be having some events, but I would be fine. And I would find my true path during these times and all these profound things. And it also said, you, uh, you remember when you used to do mushrooms as a teenager? I'm like, yeah. They're like, well, you're going to do them again for a different reason. So like, what? Okay. I hadn't thought about psychedelics in like, oh God, since I was a teenager or like early twenties. Uh, and I was like, all right, that's, that's kind of cool. Whatever. If we can do that, we'll do that. Uh, and I was just, you know, I'm so confused. I'm just speaking with this being. I don't know why and where this whole thing is going. And I think I'm going crazy. This lasts for about two hours and the connection just kind of faded away and I was not able to communicate any longer. And I got a few other downloads and just information on where I should go with my life. And I thought I was, I thought it was amazing. You know, it, even though I thought I was going crazy, these things are what I wanted to do in my life, but didn't know how. And it was showing me the path on how, and I didn't see it at the time. I was, I saw it, you know, I saw that there was something there. I didn't see the full picture. So I reached out to UFO, my UFO researcher friends and spiritual friends and everybody who I've talked to before, 
just to get their insights and what that experience was about. And after, after my, a couple of years of my own further experiences and the communication I had, I come to understand that I made contact with my spirit guides and ancestors and different, different not possible non-human entities that are connected to me in a spiritual sense. Uh, from what I understand, there are different types of spiritual beings that can also be your guides. And um, I apparently had, they had made contact with me or it was a mutual thing. I guess I was ready during that meditative experience. Well, I also needed further proof. So a couple of nights later, I tried to do it again. And this time I just intuitively felt like I should be in water. Uh, water is a big deal for me. I always loved swimming. I grew up near the water. I was like swimming when I was like one and a half years old. And I just, water's always been a thing for me. So I just went in the water and put on the tone, started meditating immediately. It was like, uh, I was, I was out and it was a very, very deep meditative state. And I was brought to a childhood memory, a childhood traumatic memory that I, it all, it all flooded back to me. I re-experienced it. I came out of the meditative state, kind of shook up kind of wondering how that happened and then the voice came again it's Laird it's my friend Laird from the other night and we proceed to have conversations again I ask what or who are you what are you and he said well what I do and and my people do is we we spread Christ consciousness to those that are ready to receive the messages I said okay that's that's cool that's cool and I close my eyes and what I see when I close my eyes is there's like this, it's, it's like very huge windows, very sterile gunmetal gray ground. There's different layers and it's the outside the windows. You see nothing but stars mm-hmm. and intuitively I know I'm on some kind of ship. I'm like on a spaceship or some something. Wow. I, I open my eyes. I'm in my bathtub. Everything's around. I close my eyes. I'm on a ship and the next time I close my eyes, I start to see these etheric beings manifest on each level of this, this ship that I'm on. Uh, there are these like etheric kind of green translucent, uh, etheric beings, but they're human animal hybrids. There's some that look like frog beings. There's some that look like dogs. Some that I looked, I remember one was just all hair. It was in, and they all had these little robes on and hoods on and they all were on different floors and they were sending me these beautiful vibrations of love. And I can tell that it was from these multiple beings and the one in the front, the, the, the one that looked like a little frog with the little hood, he proceeded me to, to, to welcome me, ask me if I would accept my soul mission and purpose, something along those lines, my true soul mission and purpose and was ready to explore. I wish I would have understood. I was bawling, crying because I was like getting all these profound feelings of love and I didn't know what was going on. And I, but I knew there was something happening. I knew that there was something to this. And I proceeded to get more downloads of what I can do to get out of my situation with my job and proceed to move out and get, this this career going with uh, the show so that was the that was like a uh, one experience within a a few days 
within a few months, I was able to, I quit my job, pulled out my 401k, moved to Colorado. 401k was definitely not much. So it was terrifying. Mm. And the first year was terrifying out there. But I remember we're out there and one day we're checking the revenue and I'm like, man, we can, uh, we can pay rent with this, this month. Uh, you know, a couple of months go by, we can pay rent and eat with this. Mm. And it just got better and better. And that's kind of how the spiritual experience led me to where I am now. And I've had many, many others since then, some terrifying and and some just bringing me to to profound realizations and remembering who and who I am and what I'm really doing here. What's interesting is that it doesn't sound like there's some um, recipe there. Like it sounds like it was a very individual experience that you had. So it's mm. not like you could say, okay, do these three things and you'll have this experience like I had. Do you feel like like all the star, you know, to use the cliche, all the stars were aligned? Do you feel, feel like all the stars were aligned for that experience, like it was the right time, you put yourself in the right circumstance, that it was all, it, it was, it was like your thing. I think that's part of it. But from what I've come to understand since then, that a lot of it is based on what we're presented, how we react and the mm. decisions we make based on the events that we're presented and the information and the synchronicities. We have to pay attention to the signs and signals that the universe is sending us. And I believe that I was able to start paying attention to those. And I, I've been tested many times along the way. I've missed a lot of these mm. symptom, uh, signs and synchronicities. I probably made a lot of wrong decisions. I could have probably made a lot of better decisions, but I think that where we're led is based on ultimately where we, where we take the messages and how we take the messages and react to them, if you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. Sure. It also sounds like a lot of this was like just releasing the fear. That the mm, fear yes. was the thing that was keeping you in that job. Yes, 100%. Yeah, I, uh, I, I definitely was terrified to leave, but I didn't know how. And this experience just really, it gave me the courage to, to kind of do that. I felt like there was something bigger than myself that had, that was backing me. And it reopened that, 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 spiritual kind of desire and awareness that there was something out there that's the, that if you want to call it source or God, uh, there was something that is helping lead in my experiences here. Do you feel like it was an upgrade of frequencies? I mean, do you feel like you're now connect now that you've had that connection, <laughs> that it's something that's more accessible to you than it was before? Well, God, man. Uh, well, <laughs> it's been quite a ride since I started, especially since I started growing and uh, having my own plant medicine experiences and growing magic mushrooms. I've cracked my perception completely wide open. I believe that I've probably decalcified a bit of the pineal gland and opened the third eye a bit because now I 
can not only communicate with my guides on a regular basis and in my dreams and while I'm trying to fall asleep and at random times, but I also get messages from spirit. Uh, the, the most recent and profound one, really the one that started everything besides the contact with my spirit guides was uh, a couple of months ago. I, my grandmother who has been deceased for over 30 years reached out to me and informed me that I needed to go and see my parents because they were not doing well and mm -hmm. that they would really like to see this film and this may be the last chance I have to go see them. So, oh, wow. and after that, I'd start to get other messages from spirits that seem to be in need. And I've been told by my spirit guides that they would let me know if that was anything that I needed to respond to and helped me to filter out some of the un necessary messages and it's been insane through these uh, plant medicine experiences i it was it was a gradual it's like the continuation of a story from each experience uh, it, they would begin my guides would begin teaching me first who I, first they would heal my childhood trauma and past type of emotional and mental issues and help me reconnect the old receptors and get my brain functioning correctly again. And then we started working on remembering who and what I am and my soul purpose and that I'm a spiritual being. And this experience, this reality is not a, a real reality, although it's, it seems physical to us. It's not our home, mm -hmm. that our home is outside of here. And we were sent in to to do our soul mission and our soul purpose i was also taught how to remember and what that mission purpose was which is much more than just doing this show i'm doing multiple things now that coincide with this show and that grew into me actually what i call going into astral classrooms and um, the doses have become rather high. It went from about uh, two or three grams a couple of years ago. Now I'm at about five to six for each experience. And I'm actually being taken to these astral classrooms where I am being downloaded with esoteric knowledge and sometimes uh, understandings of magic and ritual and how to manifest and some of, and how to work with spirit, how to identify spirit attachments first in myself. And then I started to be able to identify spirit attachments in close friends and, mm -hmm. and close family members. So that's another thing they've got me doing now. And it's been incredible. I, if you would have told me just a year ago that I would have been communicating with spirit and identifying attachments and things like that, I would have said you were crazy. But like I said, it's pretty much cracked open my perception in, in many, many ways. And there was, <laughs> excuse me, there was one other very profound experience while we're on the whole psychedelic realm before we leave this, that, that sent me on a, that kind of veered me on a different path once I had moved out here. It, it accelerated my spiritual journey, I believe. Whenever I moved to Denver, <clears throat> I had met a girl who was a psychic medium, and we actually moved to Fort Collins, where I live now, together. Uh, this was almost two years ago. And 
we were living together and the relationship was all right. It wasn't anything, you know, anything super special. Uh, we, you know, we weren't planning on getting married or anything, but we were living together. It was very convenient to do so. And I had talked to her. She had never done magic mushrooms before. I had talked to her about having the experience and she agreed she wanted to try it. So one evening we did. And I had done uh, just a normal, like two or three gram dose. I gave her the same. And about over an hour goes by, she doesn't feel anything. Almost two hours, she doesn't feel anything. I was like, all right, well, do you want to take more? She's like, why not? You know, whatever. So I end up giving her almost five grams, and she says she doesn't feel anything for wow. three hours. And she's like, I'm a little sleepy, maybe a little connected to my spirit guides. I don't feel anything. And I just mm. felt thought it was so strange uh you know no one i've ever met in my life has taken that much magic mushrooms and just not flipped their lid the first time they've ever taken them right so mm -hmm. it was very odd and i was i was i was definitely having an experience these were these were very potent mushrooms mm -hmm. and uh, we were going to do i was going to to help guide her through her experience but since she wasn't having one we decided that she has she had done regressions before so she I had decided to allow her to do a regression to see if we could relieve some childhood trauma. She successfully, seemingly successfully does so. And uh, we retrieve a memory, a traumatic memory. And she says that there was a spirit attachment that was associated with it that she relieved me of. And it was, it was a beautiful experience so far. Later on, a little later, I'm, I'm feeling great. We're having a discussion. I don't remember exactly about what, but what she was saying started to change very into something very strange that I did not understand. And she started to say, you know, I found you so long ago. I attached myself to you and now you want to leave me. Now you don't love me anymore. And I start, I looked at her and, and you said, and she said, she said something else. She said, uh, you, I, I, I've helped you grow. I've loved you. I've gotten you this far and you're trying to leave me now. You don't love me anymore. And as she said that, I swear she shapeshifted into this massive monstrous reptilian with huge teeth, yellow hmm. eyes. She even grew a couple of feet. She was like almost six foot tall and Holy she was shit. still wearing my girlfriend's. It was still wearing my girlfriend's nightgown. I freaked out. I'm like <laughs> running down into my basement. <laughs> I don't know what to do. The first thought is, all right, I've died and gone to hell. Uh, there's nothing I can do about it. I just have to, I've accepted. I'm in hell now. That's the only thing that can explain this because I have done mushrooms so many times. I've never experienced a hallucination this vivid, mm. this real. And then my whole house turns into this dungeon. And I look outside, the sky's red. There's actually bars on my windows. Wow. I'm like, yes, I'm definitely in hell. That's that's it. That's the only thing that can explain this. So I don't know where my, my now reptilian girlfriend is. <laughs> and I, I run upstairs, don't know what to do, start praying, get in the shower, turn on the water, and I just start praying. I'm like, God, what's going on? Please help me. And within a few seconds, I just feel this rumbling. Like it feels like it's coming from inside my stomach. And then this loud voice comes from inside me and it says, no, you're being deceived. And it like shook, like seemingly the whole room. 
And this boom, my light turns bright on again. Everything changes back to normal. Everything looks normal. I feel incredible. And at the same time, I'm puke, I puke up this black goo, this like black viscous material. Mm. I, it was insane. It, I just oh. went right down the drain. And I go outside and, <laughs> excuse me, my girlfriend's uh, on the bed in a meditative pose. And she's like, yeah, I saw there was a spirit attacking you. And I helped, I helped remove it for you and, and all this stuff. And she claimed that it was a, it was something that was attacking me and it was taking over my perception. And I said, okay, that's kind of weird, but all right. So I believed her at the time, <laughs> excuse me. And, but our relationship after that just took a horrible turn. Things got really bad. Uh, we argued all the time and I just saw this new side of her that I had never seen before. Very cold, very nasty side. And it got so bad to where I just had to ask her to leave. Uh, it, it was it was difficult to even get her out. So I got her out. No ma names will be mentioned, but she's gone now. And I've had, I proceed <laughs> I proceeded to to have some consciousness explorations experiences where I would I would ask my guides what really happened with that situation. And at first I wouldn't get a response. And then one day I got an email from an anonymous source that said <laughs> the entity was in her. Mm -hmm. And that's all it said. Wow. And I was like, holy shit. Okay. And I proceed to have more exploration experiences in, in the coming months. And I just have this understanding, this knowing that what I saw was not necessarily her a reptilian, but it was showing me her soul energy, her soul essence. Mm -hmm. Her soul essence was at during that time. I don't know if that's her her normal state of being, which I would hope she, you know she you know wouldn't be a full on reptilian all times. <laughs> but I don't know. I what I do know is that it was something inside her showing itself to me, and it had infiltrated my life for a very long time. And I know for during that period of time that I was with her, I did not feel right the whole time. I felt like there was something dragging me down, mm -hmm. even though the beginning of the relationship was okay. And especially after that experience, it just all went downhill. So that was a pivotal experience. And it was one of the craziest that I've ever had. Wow. Well, and it's potentially a, a situation where, because she was a psychic medium, she may have opened her energy up to something because these these things are are very um, opportunistic. Yes. And so she may have had some moment where her her um, energy was porous and this thing came into her. And that could have been in childhood for mm. all we know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I had known that there was something odd about the way she had actually come into my life. Mm -hmm. uh, she was claimed to be a fan of the show and was v rather um, insistent 
on meeting me and us going on a date and all these things. And it just, it seemed a little odd, but I did, I, I didn't pay enough attention like I should have to it at the time. So very interesting situation. Yeah. Perhaps something you drug in from another life, like something karmic that needed to be, have a bow put on it. Yeah. Interesting. Well, going back to the first experience that you had when you said there was some healing of childhood trauma that happened in with, I mean, go into as much detail or be as personal as you want or not, whatever you're comfortable with. But what did, what, how did that healing manifest? I've, I've heard about people who, uh, for instance, during ayahuasca exper- experiences, uh, have seen almost like what was a metaphorical representation of their psyche looking sort of like a an old circuit board, like the old operators, phone operators used to have where you could plug, take one cord, you plug it into another hole. And they were doing this uh, sort of action. And as they were doing that, they were actually really repairing sort of spiritual circuitry that had fucked up or had been damaged or something like that. Was it something, was it a, a visual experience? Was it more like a laying? It of was hands? a visual. It, yeah. it was different. I've had what you're talking about. I call those my astral doctors, where they'll go in and kind of fix some things, even physically with me, where they'll, it's, it's interesting. During these experiences, they tell me to close my eyes no matter what, no matter what you hear, no matter what you feel. And I'll swear, I will feel it feels like little people are jumping up and down on my bed and kind of messing with me and doing stuff to me. And it's, it's after, after the experience, I feel wonderful. They explain what they did and everything like that, but they say, no matter what open, don't open your eyes. And I'm kind of scared once I feel things like jumping on my bed, I'm (laughs) like, Oh my God, are there great aliens doing stuff to me right now? That's pretty incredible. But for that particular experience, no, it was it was a very it, it was like a, a vivid memory that that came back, and I, I re- relived the the entire childhood experience. I was mm-hmm. at a childhood family friend's house, and I remembered this kind of traumatic event that happened to me. And when I came out of it, I was just I was upset. I was crying, and I got a I got all the emotions out in a big outburst. And I felt uh, incredible after. And that's when my guide Laird reappeared and we, uh, we continued to have a conversation. Interesting. So you've mentioned a couple of different uh, challenges in relationships that you've had, <laughs> maybe a diplomatic way to say that. <laughs> uh, but th- that seems to be kind of a through line in your karmic journey. Do you, think that you've reached a place where you've done some healing there and maybe yeah. the person you're with now is uh, more, you're more aligned with that person than these other relationships? Oh, a thousand percent. I, I have, I know a hundred percent that I've met my soulmate finally. We experience almost everything together and she is my, she's my best friend and she is the, the, the companion that I've really been looking for for a very long time. We have very profound spiritual experiences together. We do spiritual work together. We do healings together. It's like uh, the the formation of a, a closed circuit now, and and we 
we really are able to come together and do some some profound magical things. Uh, so I think that yes, definitely I've I've healed all of that karma that I needed to take care of because it was it was pretty rough for relationships for a very long time. So that was uh, one of the big things I had to work on there. That's awesome. Yeah, it seems like sometimes when you're going through these chaotic relationships, it's hard to get the distance from that and see that you are the common denominator in those relationships and that we may be drawing this chaos to us because there's lessons to be learned or some healing that needs to be done. And until we're able to acknowledge that, we're going to keep calling those chaotic relationships to us. So that's great that you've gotten to the other side. Yeah. 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 Thank you. It's a wonderful thing. And I do, I noticed that with people in general in my life now that I am attracting only like-minded people, spiritual people, people that are on uh, the similar journeys and are interested in in having the similar type of reality and people that they want to surround themselves with. So it's really manifesting in, in a lot of things. And it's also helping me to tune into the the incoming messages and synchronicities that that are coming in that are guiding me to the next step as well. That's amazing. It is amazing. I I also, the thing that keeps coming to my mind is that you shifting your frequency and maybe kind of upping your game has had a ripple effect on other people that are kind of in the same space. So it it feels like we're all connected because Mm -hmm. you've done the work and because you've done the work, you have now attracted people who are interested in the same um, subject matters and your, your work is influencing those people's work. So it's kind of a ripple effect that's happened. It's pretty incredible. So thank you for doing that. <laughs> oh yeah. It yes. is. It, thank, you, thank you guys for listening. I mean, it's still surreal that anyone would tune in much less the, the, the global audience that I have and be interested in anything that I have to say, but it's been, it's been pretty undeniable that I've been led in this direction for, for very profound reasons. And now I'm trying to give back to other people and help others to, to gain their spiritual ground and, and make their contact with their guides and get where they need to be. I, and I'm I when I hear your experience and where you're at now with your podcast, especially, uh, I'm definitely leaning into that because that that is where I want to be also too. Um, and I know that even just <laughs> articulating it that way is kind of a limiting way. I should say that I'm already there, uh, or I'm manifesting it as we speak. But um, yeah, I I I mean. I've never been more passionate about anything else in my life. This just makes sense to me. I love having conversations about things that I find compelling. Um, I love expanding my mind, learning new things, having excuses to be able to have conversations with people such as yourself. Uh, that uh, to go to be able to go to this, it's like having a teacher a profound, wonderful, esoteric, brilliant teacher every day to come and 
help you learn these topics for yes. one to two hours a day, you exactly. know, five to six days a week. And I've had been doing this for almost seven years now. So it's like the best mystery school ever. You know? uh, yeah, absolutely. In real time. And you can, yeah. you can steer it in whatever direction you want by the guests that you sort of call into your circle. Yes, 100%. Yeah. It's amazing. And so did that leap into doing it full time? Is that when you started uh, doing episodes every every day? Yes, that is yeah. when I started actually six days a week. And I that is also when <laughs> it was during the times where we were trying to figure out how to supplement the income that uh, Corey had a brilliant idea to, to put up reruns. The, that's when we decided to start putting up the classic, the classic episodes and Hey, people enjoyed them. And especially whenever, now that you, when you can look back and to see, you know, all the events that have unfolded and go back and listen to an episode from 2017 or 18 and hear the prophetic information that's come yeah. out and like, damn, we were right about a lot of stuff. <laughs> exactly. It's pretty cool. So yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. And plus you have this, I don't know what you call it, but you have this sort of network of a few, of a family of podcasts that you deal yes. with. What is that? Tell, tell us about that and who, who all is a part of that? Yeah. The Forbidden Knowledge Network is just, it's our website, which we converted into a, a network page that features other podcasts that have similar topics and that are in our peer group. We've got shows like Raised by Giants, The Quantum Guide Show, uh, What the Frick Live, Legit Bat, and I'm drawing a blank on a lot of other ones right now. I know BG we Cast. have a bunch of what's that? BG Cast. BG Cast. Yes, that's another one. Uh, we got we got tons of, and we got some new ones that will be coming out. Um, the going down the rabbit hole will, will be coming back, and uh, we're excited about it, man. It's it's a fun thing because it it allows us to feature the other podcasts that especially ones that are just getting started and help them to gain traction and things like that. So it's just a way for everybody to, to grow and we share all the stuff on social media as well. Fantastic. Oh, day zero is another one. Of those. Day zero. Yeah. yeah. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> I want to jump to a current event because sure. I want your take on it. What is your take on the Colorado Bigfoot video from the train. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I love Bigfoot, man. This is one of my <laughs> new favorite topics. I just did a show about Bigfoot today. But uh, with who? Oh, Bigfoot. Simeon. Simeon What's Hine? that? You did it with Simeon Hine, right? Yeah, Simeon yes. and Tobe Hooper and uh, Tobe Johnson. Yeah. Cool. Uh, yeah, th that's a cool video. I think it's, uh, it's kind of convincing. I don't, I mean, some people are trying to say it's a guy in a suit, but I, it may be. I'm not going to discount that either. But it is kind of weird that a guy in a suit would be out in the middle of nowhere out there yeah. just trying to act like a Bigfoot <laughs> exactly. to be caught on camera. I don't, I don't see that. I just don't see that. Yeah. So, that would be yeah, hard it's a cool video. It's a, and I've seen a lot of cool. I've seen so many cool pictures and videos. I've seen pictures of eyes peeking through somebody's window yeah. and I've seen hands reaching into car doors. Mm -hmm. I saw an incredible video of these two gentlemen that were hunting and this huge Bigfoot shows up and just starts eating berries about, I don't know, not less than 50 feet away from him. Wow. And he's just standing there like there's nothing going on. Uh, yeah, there's some, there's some pretty good videos, but 
you can't you can't prove any of them it's it you know it's almost impossible to prove that they're not guys in suits and it's not video trickery so yeah you have to use your own intuition with them uh, or have your own experiences and i tell you what i have been i plan on going on another real bigfoot expedition the one i went on in louisiana we didn't really get to spend enough time out in the swamps uh to, to really have any experiences or anything but uh yeah i'm planning on going out in the colorado wilderness in the spring and summer and see if we can uh make any contact out there but uh yeah i love bigfoot and some of the revelations that Bigfoot researchers have come up with as of recently, especially within the few years are quite incredible. The yeah. telepathic disappearing mm-hmm. portal entering UFO flying Bigfoots. Yeah. Just recently, uh, the today on my show, Tobe was talking about it. The, the, the film he just made a flash of beauty where these people would be in the woods in the middle of nowhere and uh, they'd be thinking, man, I need a thermos. My dog's thirsty. Mm-hmm. And they'd walk a few feet and a thermos would be hanging from a tree with water in it. And somebody would, the, the lady that has, uh, I forget her name. She has regular contact with Bigfoot and she was in the film and she was commuting, te- communicating telepathically with the Bigfoot. And she's, she says, well, I really need to write down what you're saying. I wish I had a pen and paper. And she walks up a few feet and there's a notebook hanging from a tree with a pen. So there's some very interesting things going on with Bigfoot. I definitely don't think he's just a hairy lost hominid. Well, maybe in this situation with the Colorado train video, maybe the Bigfoot had the same trajectory that you had. Like Bigfoot had a job. And was like working nine to five and then just woke up one day and was like, you know what? I'm just going to go out and be Bigfoot for, you know, and just make that, make that leap full time. <laughs> and that's why he or she was just wandering in the wilderness. What I was fascinated by was how it was camouflaged in the environment. Mm-hmm. I mean, it would take a lot to get a suit that matches that terrain so perfectly. Like that was the part that, that kind of tripped me out. Yeah, that was interesting. Well, it's so weird because these beings do apparently have the, the profound ability to cloak and blend in. And there's speculation on whether this is some sort of consciousness ability, supernatural ability, if they can manipulate matter, if this being did not see the train or didn't realize that it was being filmed and had no reason to cloak, maybe mm-hmm. it didn't. Some of them for some reason are caught on camera and mm-hmm. they don't seem to have the desire to hide that much or cloak. Like some apparently do. I've heard accounts where they seem they see the Bigfoot and then it turns into a predator like shine from the movie predator mm-hmm. where you see this, you know, kind yeah. of glimmering. Yeah. Uh, other accounts where they they show up as mist or smoke or just black shadows. Mm-hmm. So th- there's something going on, I believe, and uh, Dr. Simeon Hine was uh, discussing this earlier, that they can manipulate matter or manipulate our perception in some way mm-hmm. yes. to where they can appear and disappear at will and possibly they enter into a different d- density or dimension. There's also speculation on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I just had Simeon Hine on, actually, uh, because I heard him on Forbidden Knowledge News. (laughs) Uh, 
And yeah, pretty amazing. I like his take on on that, uh, coming from a very scientific point of view, uh, but also somebody who's completely open to things like that existing. Have you ever had yeah. any personal experience with? No, no, uh, not not with Bigfoot, not with anything else other than the 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 spiritual and meditative and um, plant medicine experiences. No, nothing else yet. But we'll see. It's I'm still got a lot of experiences to come, I believe. <laughs> of course. I've, well, I've heard tales about the big thicket in eastern Texas and in western Louisiana that there have been lots of uh, sightings and and lights that have been seen, and you know, people that have have not been able to traverse the big thicket because it's so dense. And it's, you know, swamp area. So it's possible that there's perhaps places on the on the earth and in the United States specifically where these things could be in in uh, some interdimensional porthole, uh, you know, like there's places that they can go where they can leave this dimension. Yeah, I, I do believe so. They've had sightings where... <clears throat> portals have uh, opened and these beings have supposedly stepped in or out i know in i in my documentary i discuss the the energy in in south louisiana and how there is this kind of dense heavy energy mm-hmm. that feels different than a lot of places and i felt this in in other places before but none like the swamps of louisiana mm-hmm. and i think that there there could be something to do with the different energies and and densities in in different areas and the abilities for these beings to manipulate that type of energy there yeah, speaking of your documentary, uh, by the time this comes out, it should be out. It was originally going to be sort of chopped up into 30-minute episodes, but you decided to make it a full-length Full-length film? Yes, yeah, it would be. It. It, it's a lot easier to get it on Amazon that way than to have it as a series. So we decided, you know, we'll just do it as a, a full film. Each uh, area that we visit, we'll, we'll go ahead and make that into a full film. So that's what we did. And I, I'm really happy the way it turned out. I'm glad we decided to do it like that. So it's just finished today. Cool. And we're doing some a few screeners. We're doing a proofing for a couple of weeks just to make sure everything looks perfect and good. And then we will start doing pre-sales on our website. So it'll be available on our website by next week and then we'll submit it to film hub and get it out to all the platforms like Tubi and amazon and all the fun stuff fantastic and what what is the subject matter the subject matter is occult louisiana at least this first episode uh each each film is going to cover different areas and the high strangeness and conspiracies and hidden history that's associated with that area I chose Louisiana because I grew up there to be the first episode. And I took a trip to Louisiana in April to do all the filming and some interviews. I also incorporated some previous Zoom interviews that I did and interviews I did after that trip. I We went and... We had a big, like I said, Bigfoot expedition. We explored some of the swamps. We went on ghost tours. We explored some plantations, New Orleans, some mm. of the paranormal hot spots. It was a great trip. We got some great footage and interviews. We spoke to some great people. One of the 
primary the primary stars i guess you could say the documentary is my friend scott pace who is a louisiana resident and bigfoot experiencer Mm. we focus on his experiences with bigfoot and dogman and ultimately eventually extraterrestrials also we cover a little bit of uh cult mardi gras history pirates voodoo and some of the local celebrations there, some of the other paranormal aspects that occur there, and a little bit of the history behind the plotting of the JFK assassination. Mm. So we got some cool topics in there. And uh, one, of the, one of the main features as well is the very hidden historical aspects of Louisiana when it comes to the mound builders and some of the prehistory and advanced civilizations that could have been there before our known history. So that's, that's some fun stuff. We got Dr. Gregor Little on for that one. Nice. We love him. He's great. So would you consider doing like a live uh, viewing party? Yes, we are. We will do, we will be doing a live viewing party. Cool. That would we be want fun. to be invited for that, but we will. That would be fun. Fantastic. And then you could do like a chat along yes. with a view. That would be amazing. Yeah. We'd, dump, we'd be down for that for sure. Yeah. I love yeah, it. Yeah, we'll we'd, definitely be doing that. Yeah, we would advertise it to be sure. Awesome. Uh, awesome. Do you know what the, the next one's going to be about? Yeah, we're going. We already have an open invitation to go hang out at Ryan Burns's ranch right at the edge of Skinwalker Ranch. Ooh. We're going to be going to New Mexico and Utah for Skinwalker Ranch and a little bit more of Colorado. And we're going to explore the extraterrestrial phenomena, paranormal aspects of these areas, the Midwest, uh, spiritual uh, people's spiritual experiences and understandings and the nature of reality. Cool. Just a few small subjects. Yeah. just a little <laughs> yeah. That sounds amazing. That sounds like a lot of fun too. And you're doing it. Who are you doing it by yourself? Are you going with somebody else? It's it's me and my girlfriend. Oh, She's nice. the one that uh, helped me film the last one and I produce and edit and everything else. And we got Johnny Larson, who is Lindsay Sharman's boyfriend. He's a, uh, oh, yeah. he's a great comic book artist. Uh-huh. He's doing our cover art cool. and uh, a few other people that pitch in. My producers helped a little bit with it and uh, that's it. It's mainly a one man show though. I'm doing most of the stuff. Nice. Of course, as a geek and a, a fellow documentary editor myself, uh, what uh, software are you using to edit it? Uh, it's, Power Director. Oh, it's, I've never heard of that. Because I can use it on all the platform. I can, I can even transfer it to my cell phone if I'm on the go and do a little editing on the go. So Interesting. Wow. Laptop, my Mac, and yeah, it's great. Never heard of it. Power Direct. I have to write that. Power down. Director. Power Director. Yeah. Power Director. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Power Director. It's great, and it comes with all kinds of. If you get, if you pay for the subscription, you get tons of amazing stock footage, which you might have seen a little bit of. Yes. Some, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I got, I did a lot of my own B-roll and stock footage, but the the Power Director has some amazing stock footage and great music and stuff you can choose from. So cool. How it's fun. great software to use for editing. Yeah, that's something I envision too when I do start doing this full time is to do documentaries because I, yeah. I really miss doing that. It's very time consuming, as you know, to do, but it's so much fun. Well, it's it's going to be the new thing because 
our traditional forms of entertainment are dying and being flushed down the toilet more and more every day. Hollywood is dead. People want more original forms of entertainment. They're listening to podcasts. They're watching independent films and documentaries. And this is going, we're eventually continue to trans, you know, to, uh, transfer into to that age where it's more independent entertainment and people are less and less going to be tuning into some of the mainstream bs because it's all propaganda and all about the agendas now exactly exactly wow what i am so excited that we had you on, Chris. This has yes. been phenomenal. Absolutely. I, you know, I was a little bit tired when we started and I haven't had any supper. And I was like, I don't know if I have the energy for this, but you have just just turned up the fire in me. And I feel very <laughs> awake. And I just I feel so honored and grateful to have you on. It's for been sure. wonderful. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much. Oh. Thank you. I really appreciate you having me on. This was fun. Absolutely. Yes. We'll have to definitely do it again. Um perhaps you could tell the folks listening or watching where they can find you and your work and also the get a hold of the documentary. Sure. Yes, uh, our website is forbiddenknowledge.news. That's where you can get the website. Well, that's where you can get the limited edition version of the documentary right now. That's our 40-minute version. We will have the full 90-minute version up there sometime next week, but it will be on the website. Again, that's forbiddenknowledge.news. We're on all podcast platforms. You can get us uh, anywhere there. Our premium content you can find on Rockfin. You go to rockfin.com slash FKN plus and you can sign up there. And we are also on Rumble and we have our social media, Facebook and Instagram. And if you want to email me, forbiddenknowledgenews at gmail.com. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much, brother, for taking the time to sit and chat with us. It was highly enjoyable. And as I said, we'll have to do it again sometime in the near future. Definitely. Okay. I will let you know when this goes live and, uh, yeah, yeah, and you can spread it around however you see fit. We're kind of, we're kind of bottlenecked. Uh, I think we're like, I think we have like eight to 10 episodes in the can. So it'll be a little bit before it comes out. Because we no don't, worries, no we, worries. yeah, we don't come out as often as you do. I want to get to that point, but I'm not at that point yet. So, um, yeah, I'll let you know when it comes out. And if you could just leave your browser open uh, until you uh, the stuff is done uploading the 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 video and the the audio. Oh I yeah, have, right, right, yeah, right, yeah, gotcha. yeah. And then that's that's all. That's it. Um, all right, man. all right. Thank you. Thank it's been you wonderful. so much, Chris. Have a good night. We yeah. send you many blessings have a good... and enjoy your journey. Yeah, have a good class. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well. See you all later. Yes. Bye. Hello, my dear. Hello. Well, that was fun. It was fun. Yeah. It was really, really uh, enjoyable. Yeah, it was. I have, I've been uh, experiencing a little bit of burnout and um, feeling kind of stretched thin and um, to be honest, it kind of having to put myself in the right state in order to do some of our interviews. And this really, I, I don't know, I just, I really felt the subject matter. I really enjoyed Chris and I, I feel like it kind of woke me up and kind of got me back in the groove mm-hmm. of talking to people and 
I really, really enjoyed this interview. I did too. Um, it makes me want to attend every summer. He has a forbidden knowledge news sort of gathering. Um, and uh, I saw it posted in, mm -hmm. I don't know where I saw it posted, but I was like, oh man, that looks like that would be a lot of fun to attend because legit bat, the legit bat people are there and yeah. a couple of other people, BG cast people. Mm -hmm. um, so I think it would be really cool to go out and hang out with those people and let's maybe try and put that on our, our itinerary for next summer. Yeah, it's so funny that you said that because I also saw those posts and I just love the idea of like face-to-face -face, um, exchanges because it's so weird to have these really in-depth conversations with people as we have with, you know, many, many people and only have met a few of them face to face like Emily mm -hmm. uh and, and Laura Laura which I absolutely adore and loved meeting them yes. so kind of bringing this from the virtual world into uh the physical world I think is really important because it just connects you with people in a different way exactly. and how I would hope this would evolve as we talked about before when we interviewed Anna is I hope someday we will get to the point where we could actually have interviews face to face as opposed to on a platform. Let's visualize that into existence. Yeah. I mean, it would be fun. I, I think it's, it would be great to see people in their own environment mm -hmm. and also do stuff with them. Like, exactly. you know, Anna makes us dinner. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> or whatever, you and know. And have that be a part of the the thing. And it would be more like I was saying, like a little mini documentary. Yeah. As opposed to just a, you know, beginning, middle, end podcast, yeah. which is great. I mean, these conversations are fantastic, but yeah. a real live interaction is yeah. preferable, I believe. Emily makes us steaks. Emily makes us steaks <laughs> and mocktails. And mocktails <laughs> or cocktails. <laughs> um I really like the fact that he uh, has makes time in his life to attend these psychedelic classrooms uh, twice a month. I think that that's, I don't know, I could see that being very, very beneficial. Whereas <clears throat> at the rate that we have experiences like that, it's so few and far between. I feel like I'm sort of starting over every time I do mm -hmm. it. Like, oh my, oh yeah, this, oh yeah. And I feel like I have to, like I put on, start with training wheels and then I gradually take them off and then I kind of get going and then the experience is over and then I don't have another one for two years. You know, like, yeah, I like what he was talking about, building one upon the other mm -hmm. upon the other and seeing it like, a classroom where you go and you learn stuff and you have an interaction with, in his case, his guides. Um, whereas with our life, it's just as it is currently, it's hard to schedule, harder to schedule something like that because you are going to school full time. We have the kids every other week. I work full time. So I'm manifesting a life where that can be more a part of our regimen our monthly regimen to do something like that or bi-yearly or not bi-yearly but by 
what am quarterly. Quite, yeah, <laughs> uh, every other fiscal quarter. <laughs> um, and I also like that he's doing them alone. I think there there's something to be said about that. Sure. That you know, having the plant as the witness probably adds maybe some depth to that because mm -hmm. you don't feel like you have to check in with someone else. And that may be like, I know in the last experience that you had, it was very, it was kind of strange because I was like standing over you <laughs> and observing you, you know, so you're talking about the DMT. It, it would be curious to do some, some of these experiences um, maybe at the same time, but in separate venues, like maybe in different parts of the house or whatever, and have a check-in time, that, sure. you know, so that we could convene. See, yeah, later. so so that we could see what, like, where we went in in, and maybe we meet like on a different realm, mm -hmm. um, but we're in the same environment. I don't yeah. know. No, I like that. I like that. Are you talking about with the DMT? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I definitely have plans to do it differently next time. Yeah. Um, maybe, yeah. And Not no me staring to, at you. Yeah, in the hammock <laughs> outside or in the bedroom in the dark or something. Less sensory input, yeah. the, the better. Yeah, with yeah. the dogs lapping. Oh my God, digging underneath, <laughs> the, burrowing underneath the cushions, couch cushions. I do, I do also like what he said about his relationship with his animal um, and what that, mm -hmm. what that is. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I just feel like we went to lots of different places and he was so fascinating. It's, it's funny because it's different, different to be on someone's show and hear them ask you questions yeah. and, and there's kind of this wall between you and the interviewer and so you're not really getting into any depth of who that person is. They're mm -hmm. asking you questions about yourself. And so you're kind of trying to pull stuff out. Yeah. Um, but in this, I really felt like I was capable of just sitting back and listening to his journey. And I didn't feel like I necessarily needed to insert myself into that because I really was curious about him and... So it was cool to also see the connections of what his experiences have done and how those things have had a ripple effect on other people. Mm -hmm. So I think that's the thing that I look at and I say, wow, that's really great that he was able to do this because it's elevated not just his own life and his own experience, but other people's as yeah. well. Exactly. Yeah. I think that's really important and the little you know mini network of podcasts that are kind of uh under the same umbrella and are very like-minded i think that that's cool that they he's developed a little community involving yeah. those people too well and he's inspired you to uh want to do the same thing so he by he is leading by example mm -hmm. so chris is doing his own thing and he's made this massive leap of being able to do what he loves full time. And I think that that in some ways bolsters your ability to do the same thing. Yeah. To see somebody actually doing, uh, already living in the place that I'm manifesting. 
Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. So I'm going to be picking your brain, Chris. So I'm going to <laughs> never, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to even try to make a joke about it, but I want to know more, Chris, and on many levels. I don't know why I'm looking down at the mixing board as opposed to the actual <laughs> camera where people are watching us. Yeah, he's great. I, yeah, I a good was person. Really, a good person. Pleasantly surprised by this interview, and it really encourages me to support you in this endeavor because I think that what he's showing us is that not only is it possible, but it's beneficial to take to step kind of out of your way and to take the leap of faith to do something that you really love. Um, I am, I have this kind of interesting relationship with Colorado because I've been kind of going back and forth between like, Oh, you know, and in six years when we're capable of moving, like we really want to leave where we live and, and start somewhere new and, you know, when I, I'm hearing his experience of him making this huge leap and leaving Louisiana and moving to Colorado and really taking that leap of faith physically, I think, well, yeah, I mean, that that could be a great thing, you know. So it's not necessarily, um, you know, we need to stay here where it's safe. It's yeah. like, okay, well maybe that's true, but maybe it's not true. Maybe it would be great to have another option, like maintain this option and keep this option as, you know, what's happening, but also do something that is so out of the, the ordinary by, you know, leaving the, the safety of where we live and going and being somewhere else where, both cannabis and psilocybin are legal. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And uh, having manifested a life where there are more times, more time to, to do those things and still do all of the other things that uh, we would like to accomplish. Yeah. I think he has a very healthy um, attitude For about sure. plant medicines. Yeah. Um, again, as we've talked with several other people about the legality of plant medicines becoming legal and how that is what the potential uh, consequences and unintended consequences are of that, uh, I think it's important to be the advocate and the support system for people who want to go into the world of plant medicines in order to do healing and to do some form of treatment, it's very important to be kind of the the uh, North Star of that. And I think that he's doing that. And mm-hmm. he's not a therapist, so he's not going into the therapeutic realm per se, but he is uh, in many ways a pioneer of that because he is... I, I can't think of any other person who is doing it in the way that he's doing it, where he's actually starting to, you know, document his those experiences and then share that publicly. I think it's really amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's important, too, because we talk about our experiences and, you know, refer to other people's experiences and research. But I think uh, it's different to 
document your own journey and to share it in real time uh, as it evolves and, you know, grows organically. Um, therefore, it's more like, as you said, an elder where you're following somebody's path or you're at least witnessing them on their path. And you could perhaps use that as a reference point for where you would like to go. Like, oh, I would like to do that too, except maybe I would change this or I would like to do that, but I actually in a totally different context. So it's good to have those things to go by to help other people who may not have the same sense of direction to be able to, to go. You just kind of use that as a beacon. Yeah, I think it's important. I think that, you know, we're not going to stop the tide of what is happening across the United States with these things becoming decriminalized or legalized. So it, I think there there are going to be people who need some guidance in that. And to be able to offer that guidance, I think, is absolutely critical in making the legality um, something that is a good decision. Mm -hmm. Like I, I see these plant medicines and then you compare it to like alcohol, <laughs> which is legal, uh, you know, and, and people are, are drinking and making horrible decisions and doing terrible things, you know, getting behind the wheel and driving and getting in wrecks or, you know, just, it, it creates this downward spiral of depression. And, and I think it's very, it, in my experience, it's very rare that psilocybin is leading to depression. Mm -hmm. I think what we talked about, about it showing uh, someone maybe a side of the plant or a side of their perception or a side of their reality that uh, makes them fearful or may maybe stops them from having that experience again, I think that's a a positive thing. So it's kind of like getting drunk and getting really sick. The first time you get drunk, you maybe don't want to get as drunk as you did the first time. So maybe if you had a bad psilocybin experience, you may not be, re re you realize like, oh, this is not for me or I'm not ready for this. So I think that's a, a positive outcome to um, the accessibility. I agree. Anything more you want to address? I'm good. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, Chris, for coming on the show. It was really, really cool. It felt like a conversation more than an interview, and that's yeah. those are always my favorite. Yeah. Um, no agenda, just going in blindly and letting the organicness rule the day. Rule the day. <laughs> I slurred there for some rule the day. Um Thank you all so much for listening, and uh, we appreciate it. There would be no podcast, really, without you guys. Um, I mean, I guess we could just sit and record ourselves having conversations, and maybe the archaeologists of the future would be able to glean something from that. But um, it helps to have an audience. Um, we appreciate you very much. Hopefully you got something positive out of this, and if you would like to contact us to suggest guests, or start a conversation, or whatever. Um, there's lots of ways to do that. Going to the website is one of them. Emailing us at either the Melt Podcast uh, at protonmail.com, 
or you can reach me at hunter-muse at protonmail.com. And thank you uh, so much to all of the Patreon and local support uh, that we get. Uh, it's very much appreciated, and it helps us to uh, keep on top of all of this and gets me one step closer to being able to do this full-time because when I'm able to do this full-time, it's going to fucking be mind-blowing. <laughs> I have a lot uh, to share uh, and a, I, a lot to create and I just, all I need is the time to do it. So thank you all so much for doing that and bringing me closer to that. All right. Until next time, uh, we love you and thank you for watching or listening and farewell. Safe journeys. Yeah. Thanks so much for making it this far. If you've liked what you've heard and are thus inspired to contribute to the well-being of the melt, there are a few easy ways to do that. The most tangible being financially, which can be achieved by clicking the Locals or Patreon link in the episode notes, and then you will be led through the process of starting your monthly subscription for a mere $5 a month. This will give you access to exclusive episodes, full-length episodes, and you can participate in our monthly Melt meetups, where we can congregate together as a community and often get a chance to chat with some of our guests more intimately. Another way to help out would be to go to wherever it is that you listen to the Melt and leave a favorable review or rating. You can also spread the word via sharing or recommendation to friends and family, either in person or virtually. And lastly, if none of those options are readily available or appealing to you, simply send your positive thoughts and intentions. In an interconnected and quantumly entangled multiverse, these also go a long way. Thank you.